Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 23, verse 1 through 6, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 11 through 22, the gospel according to Mark, chapter 6, verse 30 through 34, and 53 through 56, and Psalm 23. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have you ever gone on vacation, and then when you're back from your vacation, you think, now I need a vacation? It's like a couple of years ago, we took our family, three young kids, to Disney, and I've never been so tired. But when I look at other families' vacations on Instagram and Facebook, they always look like they can do vacations so much better than me. I mean, they always have fun. They always like their kids. And and even better, their kids always like them. But the funny thing about social media is, and we all know this, that we only get to see the good parts. I mean, if you look at Lily Kirk's Instagram feed, you'll think every meal she has is not only delicious, it's also a work of art. We don't get to see the exhaustion. We don't get to see the tiredness, the arguments. In fact, if you go back and look at our Disney vacation, it looks like every single moment was great when you see it on Facebook. And a lot of them really were, but definitely not everyone. Sometimes the lessons that we get in church are a lot like that. Sometimes we get to hear of Jesus' triumphant entry into cities and all of his miracles, but we don't get a lot of Jesus trying to find a place to sleep, or or what about trying to use the bathroom? The kids love to talk about how Jesus would have used the bathroom. But today, today we get like the least Instagrammable gospel story ever. So the apostles get back from a long journey where Jesus sent them out to the people, and they're really hungry and tired but they probably have tons of tales about all the people they've encountered and the demons they've cast out. But we don't get to hear any of those stories. And Jesus himself has stuff going on too. He's dealing with the grief of his cousin and forerunner, John the Baptist, just recently being beheaded. So Jesus decides that he and all his friends should go off on a group retreat and rest and recharge. But then everywhere they go, people recognize Jesus. So what does he do? Mark tells us that he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. But then after that, then they get to go off to that retreat, right? They get in a boat and they go away and it looks good, but then once again, they're recognized. And Mark makes sure to emphasize the sheer numbers of people that they're dealing with. He uses words like people from all of the towns and a great crowd and the people coming to see him ran about that whole region. And wherever he went into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. The gospel we have today doesn't give us those Facebook-worthy moments of action. I mean, we know that Jesus taught people And we know he was traveling around, but we don't get any of those fantastic parables. No demons cast out, no people brought back to life. In fact, whoever put our lectionary together today really doesn't want us thinking too much about what Jesus did. Because did you notice our reading from Mark today is chapter 6, 
verses 30 to 34, and 53 to 56. Any idea what happens in verses 35 through 52? I mean, it's nothing. It's no big deal. Jesus just performs one of his most famous miracles ever, uh, taking a few loaves and a couple of uh, pieces of fish and feeding 5,000 people. And then after that, again, no big deal. He sends his apostles away on a boat so he can have a moment of prayer. And then to get to them, he just walks across the water. And trust me, I'm not bitter at all that we get to hear those stories next week after I'm gone. So what I want to know is where is the perfectly cropped photo of 5,000 people sitting in a beautiful meadow sharing a miraculous meal together? Where is that backlit image of Jesus walking across the water to meet his friends? Where are the heartfelt accounts of Jesus laying hands on people and healing them that we can hit that like button for? I mean, if the apostles were social media savvy, we would see all of that. We wouldn't see the exhaustion of Jesus and his friends. We wouldn't see the desolate multitudes pushing and clawing their way through crowds, trying to grasp the fringes of Jesus's cloak. So why give us the gospel lesson today? I mean, the lectionary is a weird thing. It isn't just a selection of lessons that kind of go together. It's really intentional. And just like seeing a vacation through social media, not only is a major part of the gospel left out of the lesson today, but if you look at the rest of the lessons, in the Old Testament reading, Jeremiah tells us that the Lord will gather us together and bring us back to the sheepfold. And then the letter to the Ephesians. There we hear about people living together as a community after having origins fraught with discomfort and division. But then, then Jesus comes and all that division is set aside. In the author's words, Jesus puts to death the hostility between us. And our collect today asks God to give us those things that we feel unworthy to ask for or are too blind to know that we need. And the psalm today, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Let me ask you something that we love to ask the kids in children's liturgy or godly play. And really think about this. Where do you see yourself in the story? Are you one of the apostles really needing a break are you one of the many recognizing Jesus, but seeing him just slip away, running around the sea by foot to meet him? Are you hungry in need of food? Are you sick in need of healing? Are you a sheep without a shepherd? Or are you, like Jesus, really tired, but rooted in compassion, welling up inside of you to help others? I can tell you one thing, I am tired. <laughs> I mean, if you don't know already, my family and I are moving to California so that Maggie and I can attend seminary, and moving is really hard. There's the sheer exhaustion of packing, but even after that, there's the changing your address and finding new doctors, figuring out how to live in a completely new place. And then there's the, the saying goodbye, helping your kids say the goodbye. And if Jesus were here, and I mean, obviously he's here, but if he was like standing here, I think, I'd like to think that he'd be not only really tired with me, but also filled, compassion, filled with compassion for us. Because compassion is a big thing for our Lord. It's mentioned explicitly eight times in the New Testament and implicitly everywhere. It's hard for us to really think about needing compassion ourselves because we conflate compassion with pity. But it's so much different. English is tough, so, you know, I went to the German word for compassion, which is mitzleid, which literally translates to with suffering. So compassion is not pity because pity can be had from afar, 
but compassion requires with suffering, suffering alongside someone. So when we hear that Jesus had compassion on a crowd, it's not about pity and it's not about his doing. It's not about his healing or his teaching. It's about his feeling, his being. Our lessons today aren't just telling us that Jesus is our shepherd or that Jesus has compassion. And it doesn't matter whether you see yourself as the apostles, the people, or Jesus, because no matter who you are in the story, you need a resting place, and you are also called to be a resting place. The lesson here, I think, is that as Christians, we are called to compassion. The lessons aren't telling us to do more or be more. I don't need to be up here and be a shepherd. And Phil and Gary, Melanie, Joyce, they don't need to be shepherds. You don't need to be shepherds. Jesus has that covered. What we all need is to have compassion. And remember, compassion is not about doing. Compassion is being a resting place for someone else's pain. So compassion isn't leading people back to the sheepfold. It is being the sheepfold. When you're in the midst of a change in your life, whether it's brought out by a pandemic or the loss of a job, the loss of a friend, or even the decision to move across the country, resting places are really hard to find. But the author of Ephesians tells us, you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Despite our differences, we all come together, not in the house of the Lord, but as the house of the Lord. And that is a resting place. We have spent a lot of time here at Redeemer talking about how we need to serve others, and we absolutely should do that. But before we can clothe someone or give them shelter, before we can lead people to safety, we need to learn to be shelter and to be safety. I know personally the ability of you all and the people of Redeemer to be a resting place. For the past six years, so many of you have been that for my family and I. We've wrestled with our faith here. We've become Episcopalian here. We've had a child and struggled through changes with two others. Maggie and I have struggled with the idea of what we're called to do here. And now, now we're grieving the loss of being here. And whether you're an adult or a high school or a kid, whether you've referred to me this time as Brad or as Coach Brad, whether you've been part of family programs, helped to make them happen, or even just sat back and wondered why the heck there's a bouncy house in the Narfex. You may not have realized it, but you have been a resting place for me and my family. And whether it's real hunger and actual poverty, or spiritual hunger and emotional poverty, or something else entirely, we've all got parts of our story that we don't post on social media. And for those parts, we don't need somebody to fix us or make us look pretty or pose us and put us online. We don't need somebody to get rid of that messiness. In our non-Instagrammable moments, we need someone to sit with us in our messiness, to have compassion for us, to be a resting place for us. I mean, you've done it for me already. You've done it for Maggie, for Ansley, Everly, and Crosley, and you've probably done it for each other. To be a house of God, to be a resting place for everyone, we can't do it alone. 
Surely God's goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But I probably won't recognize it until I learn to be the house of the Lord. Amen.